Hi, well, welcome to the Xbox World podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about Xbox games, obviously. Plenty of other games too. Some some memories. Uh, we're going to respond to a few of your questions and uh, that kind of thing as well. Uh, but first, I guess we should uh, introduce ourselves. So uh, I'm Tim, the editor. Uh, I'm Matthew, writer. And I'm, I'm Mike. Hello. Um, it's freezing cold in this room today. That's why I'm wearing my coat. I've got my jacket on I'm still. I'm glad I've got my jumper on. It's really, really cold in here. It's, uh, it's quite nice outside. It's quite it's, warm when I came in earlier. But yeah. it's uh, really cold in here. Yeah, the weather's been all little kind of crazy. We were cycling, cycling in the other week and it was so cold. I was sort of starting to sympathise with those... German soldiers had to sort of march back from Stalingrad and were just like in the middle of these icy wastes and were just sitting there and they're like, you know what, just go on without me. And I never understood that until then. But like, just go on, just go on without me. And you think, man, why would a guy just give up and die like that? Well, I never, very nearly did on the Bristol to Bath cycle track. Just mm-hmm. sat, sat down and just die. Well, it would have been preferable to best, best com- coming to work. Yeah. yeah. Um, would have caused a bit of a disruption with our mag. Yeah. Not, not much. <laughs> we can't, we're kind of glad you didn't, Mike. Yeah. So uh, I guess the first thing to say is the new issue uh, goes on sale today, which is uh, Tuesday, but you won't be listening to this until Friday. So it's actually been on sale for four so days. It's been on sale for a few days by now. Um, it's a good issue. It's full of good stuff, full of big games. It's also got um, the right subscriptions number in it this time if yeah, you want right, to subscribe. Yeah, so you yeah. can subscribe properly rather than getting through to a doctor's surgery. That's good, that. We, we, we fought for, what, three years to get mm. our subscriptions in the mag? Finally got them. Put the wrong phone number on it. Pretty Not good. our fault, by the way. Pretty, pretty good all, all round. Um, Hopefully we help some poorly readers, though. That's right, yeah. Good combination. <laughs> say what, it's not good if you want to copy the mag, but it's brilliant if you've got a bad back. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, the mag's on sale today. Uh, sorry, uh, it'll be on sale for a few days by the time you read this. Um, comes with a free Borderlands magazine, first of all, we should say, which is um, it's got, quite it's cool got lady bits in it, hasn't it? Extra which is uh, all about Borderlands, which is on sale now, so you can go out and buy it. And once you've bought it, you can read our, our look at the game. Um, it's just a little 16-page mag, quite, quite nice little extra. Uh, inside the mag, we've got a review of Borderlands. I've uh, got quite a few reviews, actually, of quite a lot of stuff, including Mike's game of the moment, Forza, uh, which is brilliant. Um, <clears throat> plenty of other stuff in there, lots of... Slightly shat games, some really good ones. Some really shat ones. Some really shat ones, some middling ones. There's certainly the whole gamut of... Uh, it's Christmas time, isn't it? Almost yeah. Christmas time, so it's, it's a bit of everything. We got to the point, in the, the point in this generation now, I think, where it's cheap enough to develop for a current generation consoles that we get an awful lot of crap along, yeah. with, the, along with the good stuff. For a while, it was like, you know, only the best could flourish, only the best would even try. Now, it's everybody's game, so yeah. everyone's just banging out whatever... Old stinking poo they can. Um, making a Batman, which is a good read, um, and also some yeah, lots of nice exclusive art in that um, in that feature. Loads yeah. of exclusive art straight from Rocksteady. Yeah, a uh, good little chat with uh, Sefton, who's head honcho on that game. He's always good to talk yeah, to. Loads of good right, stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's slip some things that were cut from the game and dished yeah. out for us. Uh, and previews, Splinter Cell, Aliens versus Predator, Call of Duty, Assassins, Dead Rising, Crackdown, all sorts of stuff. Um, so yeah, definitely go down uh, to the shops and check it out. Um, good feature on Spelunky at the back, which is the yeah, new grade. You, d- you, don't, you don't know anything about Spelunky yet unless you're kind of into your PC gaming. 
but trust me, you will. It's going to be brilliant. It's coming out in 2010 on the Xbox 360 Live Arcade. And the other thing you should mention is we've got 16 extra pages this month, so we're 132 pages. It's a fatter mag. So it's a fatter mag. Um, good disc as well, full of good stuff. So, uh, yeah, get down there, check it out. Um, uh, you won't regret it. That's that's a five or well spent. That's Actually, four ninety nine. You'll get a one p change. And if you subscribe, two pound sixty. Two pound thirty. Thirty. Might if you subscribe, you'd be crazy not to subscribe, really. Yeah. If you if like it's like we said last time, if you even buying if you buying half of the issues that come out in the year, you can still save money by yep. subscribing, and you'll get all the issues. That's a lot of toilet reading for your money. That is a lot of toilet reading and toilet paper, in fact. <laughs> Anyway, so what 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 have we got to chat about this week? What we've we been playing? Well, Matt, you're playing Assassins right at this moment. Yeah, I'm playing Assassins two for review. So, I mean, sadly, I can't go into into much detail about it, um, other than to say I'm quite happy because there's a lot of codes in the game. So we'll be cracking all of the secrets uh, locked away in Assassins uh, come launch. So keep an eye on our website for that. There is a lot of codes in that game. Um, yeah, I turned it on and it's like heaven. It, it feels like they made it just for me. It's great. You, you can ignore all that stuff though, if it is. Oh if yeah, you, if you like, it's not. It's not dauntingly so. No, I mean it adds a few layers onto the story. But if you just want to go out and gank people, then you know you, you can do that. I was playing earlier on in one of the secret locations, and I'm, I'm going to take back the, the comments that they're quite Prince of Persia because the first one is, but um, the other ones are, are more. Puzzle based. It's it's not Prince Persia in the traditional scale of wall, like climb up a castle sense. It's more you're dumped in this open area and you've got a few puzzles to solve. Um, and I know that Hoodie wasn't too impressed. He wanted me just to go out and, and stab some people up. And you can totally ignore these areas by the first one. Um, so there's a nice amount of variety in there. I I haven't even touched the um, the side missions yet. I must be more than ten hours in, and I'm about fifty percent into the game. It's huge. That's good. Like, uh, I think there was comments online saying that it was about 27 hours and people were poo-pooing it. They were saying, nah, no no games that long. Um, if you want to get stuff, if you want to go and collect everything in Assassins, yeah, easily 27 hours. Mm. So um, It's been a while since we've had a game as, as gigantic as that. As that. Yeah. The last yeah. one was probably GTA, mm. GTA 4. Um, so no, no, really, really impressed with with it. Other than that, I've I've I've, uh, I've been playing a bit of Uncharted actually on my PS3. I, I dusted off my PS3. Enjoyed it. I'm loving it. It's it's a real shame that it's a PS3 exclusive. It would be really nice if we could get a game of that quality on 360. Um, but because you know, PSM, who live live near us in the office, a few of them on there weren't weren't massively. Not to begin with, I don't think they all. It doesn't. Begin be, with. The game doesn't begin well at all. It begins with a tepid stealth bit, uh, but gradually gets momentum as the game goes on, and every every level is better than the one before it, as I understand it. It just keeps getting better. Pretty much. I mean, before that stealth bit, it has got a pretty explosive opening, hmm. which is really intense, and then you've got this stealth bit, which, to be honest, I really enjoyed, but I could see why a lot of people might not. Um, but when it gets going, it. Really, and it really hits its stride. You know, it's better than almost anything else out there. Tell you what else has a tepid beginning: Dragon Age Origins. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've been playing Dragon Age. The thing is, we should say before we even if we start slagging off Dragon Age, which I'm sure we will. There's going to be loads of people who are going to love Dragon Age. They're going to absolutely love it, and I don't see why. But it's very, very old-fashioned, very old-school PC RPG, and it's 
And because of that, it's going to find fans mm. among you know those people who've been absolutely starved of those types of games. It's like the last decade never happened in gaming. It really mm. is. It's it's the most conspicuously old-fashioned game mm. I think I've seen this this generation. We should, we should point out the the guy who reviewed it for us um, actually thought it was great. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's uh, it, it is very old-fashioned. It's it's an RPG from a different age. Well, let's say we all thought it was rubbish, right? Yeah. Well, I thought that I, I think I don't know it was rubbish, but the beginning was terrible. The beginning was. I had to play it quite a lot because I um I did did something on it for another magazine, so I put hours and hours and hours into it. And it wasn't until I think I hit the four-hour mark that I thought I was beginning to have some fun with it. Mm. Which, you know, that's not a good well, start. You, did when you manage to get hours. out of the castle by that point? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you spend the first like hour of the game just running around completely With dreadful playing combat. Mm. And a dog that looks like a brown grizzly bear. It's, it's massive as well, that dog. Yeah. That's a big old dog. It's and old... you have to kill rats. How yeah, crap yeah, is that? Yeah, the very first job they give you I mean, in the game. The, only good thing, isn't it? the very first job they give you in the game without a single lick of irony is kill ten rats. Yeah. So that is astonishing. I mean, th- what year is this? <laughs> Oblivion was making fun of those quests four years ago. Yeah. And before then, like, Bard's Tale was doing it. So yeah. crazy. But it, it does eventually come good. It just, yeah, you mean, really have to work through a games. lot of chaff. Yeah, you have to put in a few hours on, I think. And, uh, and you know, as you say, you know, for, the, for, for people who are very much into those kinds of games, that's not going to be much of a schlep for them because they're used to that and that's what they expect from their RPGs, you know, so... I'm not. I'm not having that old. If you like this sort of thing, you'll like no, this game I mean, argument. I think it is. I mean, it's just, it, but it's true. I mean, it's like with Football Manager. I mean, you're not going to play Football Manager. You think it's the most boring thing on the planet. But for the people who are into that mm-hmm. kind of game, they're very niche. They're very it's niche true, experiences. But, but Football Manager is a really, really well made football management game. This is a really, really badly made RPG. I don't think. I it don't is, know. It, it's again, not a badly it, made it RPG. turns out to be all right. Um, it's just it's got it's got a bad beginning, but I, I don't I think it's just a, it's a very very old school massive RPG that takes four hours to get going. But once it does get going, I think it's pretty good, as I understand yeah. it. I mean, it, it's pretty epic. But um, yeah, I I, th- I think the problem is like a lot of people who grew up playing you know the Baldur's Gates years ago. There there isn't really anything now uh, that if if they want that same experience, there's nothing on consoles to to cater for them. Mass Effect doesn't do it. It's a very different type of game. It's half action game. Um and Dragon Age is Bioware's attempt at appealing to that audience. And and you know, I think it's pretty successful. I think one of the problems with Dragon Age, before we move on to to something else, is that I think on on this generation of consoles, you know, Bioware has become synonymous with Mass Effect, which is very different to the top kind of game that they traditionally made and I think a lot of people, especially on PS3 I mean a few people on our PS3 mags have said to me I expected it to be Mass Effect with elves you know. and I think it's not, it's not that game at no. all and that's the problem, I think there's this level of expectation there that was going to be because you know, Mass Effect for all its very many problems, that, you know, like it was very sort of action orientated you know, the, the sort of fact that it had a lot of combat like guns and that kind of thing in it sort of pulled it a little bit away from its kind of RPG origins, whereas Dragon Age is very much back in that kind of mm. world, you know, so so I think there's a sort of level of expectation there which is, you know, perhaps not perhaps not Dragon Age's fault necessarily, but I mean it's just people have become used to Bioware making, you know, mass effect on this generation of consoles and Dragon Age is definitely a step to a to another kind of RPG. So 
So what else have you been playing? Aliens vs Predator, Mike. You've been you've been having a bad. Yeah, show. I can talk about that though. Right. Uh, I think. I think we can talk a little bit about it, can't we? It's been out in the public domain for yonks. I, mean, I saw it at Gamescom. I saw the Alien campaign, and to be honest, the Alien campaign didn't look too bad. It seemed very ridicky, very stealthy. I know the Predator campaign, and we weren't impressed with that at all yeah, when I we didn't saw do it. Much of that campaign. Um, yeah, but we, we had the, we, did the, we, we played it for the first time the other day. I went to London and played it. I'm sort of reticent to say anything about it because I don't know if I can. But, um, oh, you know, yeah, I can because it's already been on Eurogamer. Uh, yeah, so, um, no, it's, it's not. It's t- currently, it doesn't work uh, in, for, for a whole number of reasons. Um, most obviously, what we played was a multiplayer game, and in the straight deathmatch is utterly to you know to use an overused phrase in gaming broken uh the humans are just meat they're just meat in the middle between the aliens and the predator um the xenomorphs the just to differentiate the alien and predator the xenomorph aliens are so fast that they can close the gap between the human you know from wherever they are and the and the human meat far faster than they, the human can take them down meanwhile the predators are completely invisible so they can just they can just pop up behind anyone and just you just steal them just kill them rather. Uh, so there's a massive balance problem there, an absolutely massive balance problem, which I don't I don't think they can address. And I think they want to address. And I think they're interested in addressing it, but it, it needs to be addressed. I mean, maybe it's something which would like be ironed out over many many hours of play. But so what? I mean, who gives a damn if it is ironed out after many hours of play? Because no one's going to play it for many hours if it's no fun for the first hour. And it and I don't really think it is. Um, there's two other modes though which really do lever the strengths of that imbalance. You know, that imbalance has actually turned into an asset in the infestation mode and the predator hunt mode. And now those are essentially the predator hunt is the movie Predator, and infestation is aliens. So in Infestation, you'll be playing as four Marines working with, working together against an AI alien horde. And the aliens will just keep flooding in and you have to just stay alive for as long as you can using sentry guns and all the tools, all your, all your favourites from the movies, basically. And the Predator Hunt will be uh, a team of humans, eight humans or so, dropped into a map and one person plays a Predator. And that Predator will hunt them. Because the predator can move around the trees using like its auto jump. Essentially, the predator plays like Batman in this game. Mm. From Arkham Asylum, he has an auto jump. So you, so you hold the focus button, which is left trigger, look around, and it will pick out environments you can automatically just stick to. You hit the jump button, you just jump to them. And so you're always up high, you're invisible. Every now and again, you'll just drop down, nail someone, vanish, and you're on again. And as a predator, you have to keep killing because there's no honor in cowardice. And as the humans, you have to try and stay alive and kill the predator. Whoever does becomes predator, and that really is a good mode because you know it, it takes it makes an advantage out of the the disadvantages that the humans have. It makes it a really interesting game. But there's, I mean, Rebellion have kept on saying for a long time that you know their t- their their template for this game is Aliens vs Predator from 1999, their their original game, not their original game that's on the Jaguar, but their their last their PC game. I'm not sure if it's a smart move to make a 10-year-old game your template mm. for a modern game, especially a pre-Halo, pre-Call of Duty mm. shooter. It's It feels so old-fashioned. It feels incredibly old-fashioned. And more than that, it feels like too much for a controller. The aliens move so fast across any surface. They're a real handful. They're a lot 
it's, you, you've, got, you've got a lot to do just to keep them under control. The Predator has so many different actions that, you know, you, you, again, you sort of want for the, you know, the speed of a mouse and keyboard, I find. I just felt lost on a control pad with both. It didn't help that we were demoing it on a PlayStation mm. at the event, which is very rare. Normally, PlayStation journos are stuck having to test the games out on the Xbox 360, but in this case, we're testing it on a, on a PlayStation. The, uh, the frame rate wasn't there, but that's typical of all, you know, all mm. work-in-progress mm. games. For me, I'm more worried about the interaction between the three races. I think in the campaign, it works fine because you can adjust it to, those, to balance. You know, as an alien, you're both hunter and hunted. You'll be hunting humans and being hunted by predators. As a human, you're just plain hunted and you have to stay alive. As a predator, you're much more powerful and you, you know, you're stalking both aliens and humans. And that to me is like you know, a really nice triangular kind of, there's a real balance to that, a real nice, a real nice shape to that kind of structure of the game. Mm. In multiplayer, I'm not convinced the, you know, the, the most basic modes work. The more complicated modes, I think, will be fine. They, they've got a lot of work to do with the controls, though, I think. And the worry, I guess, is that it's out relatively soon. You know, I mean, it's out beginning of next year. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's plenty of time for a, a team like Rebellion to fix that. We get quite a lot of people mailing us saying, you know, why Rebellion? Are they? Can we really trust them? They made shell shock. And again, they're different team, different. Yeah, but at the same time, even Rebellion's A team have made a lot of really, <laughs> really average stuff. And what I would again to address that, I would say that look at IO. They made Hitman Blood Money, and then they made Mini Ninjas and the original Kane and Lynch. Mm. Neither are impressive games. Look at, um, look at Ubisoft Montreal. They made Prince of Persia: Sands of Time, and then they made Prince of Persia: The New One. And it's, that's not a good game either. It's like you know, there's a lot of companies dealing extremes, and Rebellion dealing extremes. They've made one of the worst games ever, Miami Vice, on the PSP, mm. and then they made Rogue Trooper and Sniper Elite, which are two of the best games on. The original Xbox, like you know, they're very much niche titles, but they're two absolutely impeccable games. One, one of the best stealth games on the platform. The other, one of the best shooters on the platform. Mm. Rebellion have got in them to do a really nice job, and I'm just worried that they won't. Mm. I think they, can, they, at their best, they will absolutely knock this out of the park. Which I'm just waiting for them to be the company they were when yeah. they made Rogue Trooper. Mm. They can, they can, they can do this. You know, with a bit of with a bit of luck, they can do this. Rather than the company that they are making, Rogue Warrior. <laughs> Yeah, Rogue Warrior Warrior is a worrying one for sure. But Rogue Warrior, as I understand it, is the same, isn't it? The same team that did Shellshock. Yeah, it looks that way. Yeah, no, no one's no one's officially saying so, but it looks that way. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just just beg the question: What Rebellion's A team have been doing all this time? Yeah. I mean, they've been working on PSP stuff. I know that. It's been a long time since they since that that team, which I'm presuming is a set team. Uh, has worked on the big consoles, for want of a better phrase. Mm. The last game they did would have been Rogue Trooper, mm. which was a great game. So what about you, Matt? Been playing anything uh, apart from Assassins? Uh, no, other than Uncharted. Yeah. Um, uh, and DJ Hero, oh, a, yeah, a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. which is, is, is good fun. Um, you were sort of unsure a bit at the beginning, but then... Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I mean, the price tag is just... I, I, I've said... Isn't it? Yeah, I mean... If it was seven sixty-five quid, maybe seventy quid, you know, it's 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 a good laugh for everyone or for people who don't mind playing rhythm action games. But um, hundred pounds is a lot to ask, mm. especially in this climate, yeah. especially with Modern Warfare Two coming out, with Assassins coming out, with uh, Forza Three just out. Um, having finished it now, having played it all through, having you know, I'm going back now on Expert trying to get as many stars as possible 
Do I think it's still worth the money? I kind of do. I, I really do. I think it's got uh, an awful lot of legs in it. I think um, I'll be playing this for months to come, in part because there'll be DLC. I'll admit that, which means playing a little bit more. But um, I think it's the equal to Rock Band 2. It's, it's a very different type of game, um, but I think it's as, you know, it's picking up. It's worth picking up just as much as you know, getting Rock Band Two or Guitar Hero Five, or uh, or the Beatles Rock Band for that matter. I didn't like it. I tried to play. It. I didn't like it. It made me feel stupid. It's that. very kind. It's very counterintuitive. Certainly when you first sit down with it. I find it easier than guitars. Really? Yeah. Lucy I mean, finds as, it easier than guitars as, as well. As we all know, I'm hopeless on Guitar Hero. Absolutely hopeless. But um, I at least got through about half a song making. Uh, but not a massive amount of errors, a few, but... Uh, yeah, well, you're doing it on medium, so you were doing the crossfader bits as well. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like you were just doing the buttons but and I scratches. Mean, Guitar Hero, I'm a joker, joke player. Yeah, I suck at Guitar Hero, but I suck even worse at the DJ Hero. Well, that, the, that game makes no sense. My brain can make no sense The of thing it. is, to start off with, everyone's a bit confused for the first few songs. You know, it's, it's natural. It's a very different skill set from anything else you've, had, you've, you've tried to do before. But what I found very quickly is that even though it is completely different from playing the guitar in Guitar Hero, it wasn't long before I'd, I'd equaled my, my ability in Guitar Hero. Yeah. Like the, though the skills aren't directly transferable, like yeah. the, the kind of the mindset you need to be in it's got is... To, you got to the same level, like... Yeah. And yeah, it, I got to the same level as well. I got to the same <laughs> level in a DJ Hero that I am at, I'm at Guitar Hero. <laughs> playing as beginner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Playing basically... <laughs> Playing halfway through the, through one song, throwing the controller down and disgusting, and it's just rubbish. <laughs> it sucks. And I just again, it's, it just doesn't appeal to me. And I've, I'm not sure if I said this before, but um, I like I know the skills are there in me, and I could if I wanted to get good at it, yeah. I could. But I don't find them fun. I don't, I don't find because I don't enjoy the game. There's nothing in there for me to want to get good at it. Mm. It's like I, I I don't think it's beyond me or Tim or Hoodie or anyone else in the office to to get good at it. It's certainly competent. And to be able to play it, but I don't find the basic, just you know, the, just the core game. I don't find it a fun thing to do. So I've never had the desire to get good at it. You know, if it's a game which is, you, you know, something grabs you about, you're like, oh man, I could, I could really see myself getting good at this. You know, like a, a Street Fighter or something. Like, oh man, I could really. It's going to take a lot of work to get good at it, but I, mean, I know if I do, it'll really pay off. And for me, I, in Guitar Hero or DJ Hero, I don't see the payoff at the end of the of the hard work. For me, it's just hard work. Mm. To watch Matt play is, is freakish, though, it really is. See, for me, that is the payoff, being able to sit down and play it on expert, you know, having, you know, initially you guys, you know, standing down, like, yeah. quite quite amazed at uh, the, the directional scratches and stuff. Yeah, that's that, really that cool. Is, it's fun, yeah, just the actual the process yeah, of going back and forth, that's, that's fun. To be honest, most of the time I'm just amazed at, at I just like watching Pellet play, because yeah. he's such a freak at these games, that his fingers are just, like, I mean, he hardly misses a beat. I find, I mean, freakish. to be honest, uh, later on, like the the on expert, I can do probably sixty percent five stars. But you hit a point where there are some bits I just don't, I can't comprehend anyone and that, and being able where, to do that's it. That's where the freaks come in. Right? Yeah, that's like where you need the, the for YouTube. Freaks. There are some crazy, crazy songs in there. For the most part, I think the, the there, mixes there, are really good. Oh, there are strongly a few dodgy ones, but I think the mashups are good. Not only just in terms of a song, but in terms of Playing them. It is one hundred percent dodgy mashups. No, it is one hundred percent dodgy as hell mashups. To be honest, though, the thing is, the, the problem is with anything music related is you're always going to get so some subjective. Level of it's true. Yeah. I mean, we we had this discussion in the office the other day about the music in GTA Four. Yeah. And 
you know, is I don't know whether we've said it on the podcast before, but my opinion of that music is that it's po-face nonsense. Yeah, GTA Four yeah. is it's look it's it's music to show how cool your music yeah, tastes. It's, it's for the mon- minority. It's not that the it's that kind of thing, you know. When you when you sort of you know you invite a girl over at home, and you've got that special CD, a special MP3 playlist. If you're living in the 21st century, <laughs> which you have, just to show how cool you are. Yeah. It's all a little bit too different it's all a little bit too eclectic yeah. it's all a little bit trying too hard yeah. it's all like it's like you know the girl comes over and you're like oh let's put on some music and she's like oh this is a really cool track and then she hears another one she's like oh that's another really cool track and after a while you get sick of it because it's not a single thing you can grasp yeah. It's, yeah. it's all too cool <laughs> it's like yeah. you're, you're John Cusack in High Fidelity like just with this yeah. crazy brain of, of strange music but yeah. you know we, we, I brought this up in the office the other day and Hoodie Hoodie was quite vehement that he thought the soundtrack in GTA 4 was brilliant yeah and, and he did say something which I agree with though. he said it introduced him to a lot of new music yeah. there's a lot of tracks that I've, a lot of uh, artists in fact yeah. Yeah. that I've listened to thanks just to GTA 4 yeah no absolutely and, and I, I can see I can you know definitely see the, the reasoning behind yeah. that I mean at the same time though, that's not what GTA is for me exactly. GTA is about the crowd pleasers exactly and I, I think that you know the reason people remember Vice City so so well is because it was a great game but because it absolutely nailed the culture yeah. and the music was brilliant. The music was uh, was absolutely spotless. You know, it's, it's, it's listening to Working for the Weekend while you're driving a motorbike down the road, blasting someone yeah. with a machine gun. That That is what GTA Needless is Needless to, to say, we were all delighted when in the Ballad of Gay Tony that we saw Vice City FM and yeah, put it on. All the crowd pleasers. <laughs> we're just sitting there singing along. Well, Gay Tony's out this week, isn't it? Yeah. yeah Gay Tony is out this week, so hopefully a lot of you are already playing it because it is excellent. I mean, I know a lot of people, we should say, well, might have even been put off a of gate only by GTA 4 because mm. GTA 4 is a very different Grand Theft Auto. But if you, even if you know you didn't didn't dig GTA 4, if you it's, it's almost hard not to dig it. It does so much well. Mm. But if maybe when you finish GTA 4, like me, you were kind of like, well, that was I, I had fun with it, but it wasn't what I wanted from the game. Then Gay Tony is almost certainly what you wanted from it, from GTA 4. Absolutely. I mean, I had the, the pleasure of re- reviewing it, and it really was a pleasure because I went back into that world that I hadn't played for months and months. I picked up um, The Lost and Damned and got about three missions in and, and just didn't touch it after that. I wasn't too interested in the story. Um, and now I'm replaying that actually because Gay Tony has really got me back into Liberty City. Mm. And it's just reintroduced those things that you didn't make the generation leap, like mm. the crazy base jumping, you know, parachuting out of a helicopter. Mission, um, a mission where you, you fight your way through a skyscraper, <coughs> yeah, blow great. a guy away, yeah. shoot him out the window, and then leap out the window Both after him yeah. and parachute yeah. down to the street. Yeah. Every, everything that it introduces is just, is just, just great fun. It, it really. Um, I wouldn't say it's a zany or something like Saints Row 2. That's still, you know, there's there's no wall, uh, running around with a, a, a you know, a, a sewage hose yeah. pipe spraying people with poo. But um, no, it definitely, I think Rockstar has has backtracked from their position on GTA mm. because yeah. they were... I think I think they know they, they, they ignored a section of their family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is their, their way of addressing yeah. Going back to the music games, I realised, I said before this, uh, we started recording, I've only been playing one game, but I haven't. I thought I've been only been playing Forza. I've been playing a lot of Forza. If you look at the, uh, the hour count, it's kind of embarrassing at this point. But um, ignoring Forza, because everyone already knows how good it is, the review in the magazine says how good it is. It's, uh, it's, I banged a 96 on the end and had nothing but good things to say about it. Um, I, was, uh, I played Lips the other day. Oh, yeah. I, I, well, it was, which is essentially, which is pretty much against my religion. Mm. But I went to I went to a little gathering, not a party. It was a little gathering with some of my girlfriend's friends. Sounds like a party to me. Any good? That was that was fun. 
I'll tell you what, Hoodie's friggin' obsessed with that. He game. loves it. I know. Yeah, this, absolutely only this adores morning it. he was going on to me about how he downloaded MC Hammer, you can't touch this. Or that's in the new the that's new, in the um, new one, yeah. The new uh, thingy. But uh but yeah, he, he absolutely loves it. He goes on and on about it. Yeah. Uh, again, can can Hoodie sing though? I don't know. I think in the comfort of his own home he probably can. I, I can, well I obviously can't. And I know that doesn't really matter with karaoke, but I was chatting to Matt Castle on Endgame where I mentioned this and he was like, you know, I never really got karaoke. Why do I want to listen to a bunch of my friends sing songs I hate really, really badly? And he's right. That's all it was. It was just a bunch of people sitting there singing really bad. I think, I think Lips is all right. I know it's supposed to be a, a party game, but I think it's all right if you're doing it like just you and your missus or you and your, your kids or something. You know, when you have some sort of... I, I, got, I, need, I needed to be well drunk before I even picked up that mic. Someone you have some sort of bond with, but uh, but going in there with a couple of mates or, you know, worse, people you don't really know that And well. that's where <laughs> the situation I was in. And, and playing lips, I think. I is... was cringing. If they'd got Ricky Gervais in and he started dancing like he was in the office, I would have been less embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> it was like like nice people and everything, but I can't hack that lips business. I just cannot hack it at all. No. It was, um, I was, I was well sourced up on a bottle of, Five ninety nine, by the way, bottle of five ninety nine Marks and Spencer wine. Very nice it was too. Yeah. There is only uh, two well, types. Two types of wine for two, was it? No, ten pound meal for two. There's only two types of wine in the world, and that's uh, was uh, three ninety nine wine and uh, six ninety and five ninety nine wine. I tried yeah. some eight ninety nine uh, wine this weekend because Tesco have got this nine pound meal deal, where you get the wine, you get a main course. You get a side dish so and and you get a dessert. And in this nine pound meal deal, there was an eight ninety nine wine. So we thought, it's so why typical not? of Tesco to do the Marks and copy Marks and Spencers, yeah. but knock a pound off it. That is Tesco all over. <laughs> yeah, is that and, identical and to you, the Marks deal? Mark, cannot... Marks and Spencers do a meal for two for ten pounds, okay. yeah. which is exactly the same, <laughs> but it's ten pounds. And here's the thing: the Mark, M &S, the M and S meal for two will be is guaranteed smashing. Yeah. If you sit down on a Saturday night, watch a bit of telly, watch a movie with the missus. With a Mark Spencer meal for two, you you'll both you'll both enjoy that. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, really good. What was a Tesco one like then? It was it was really nice actually. We had a, Was it Tesco finest? It was. Tesco oh, well, finest. That's not too yeah, bad. Yeah, all right. No, it was like uh, I think we we went for we're the snobs, aren't we? We went really for the chicken like pie. The thing is, Mike, when it comes to food, you've got to be a connoisseur. Yeah, when it is true, when you've tasted the best, you can't go back. No. And I I when well, yeah when it like when it comes to food, it don't cost that much more to get the best. No. I'm willing to pay. The extra twenty p on the cheese, the extra fifty p on the ham to get the good stuff. Yeah, like because it really does show. And you know, what? if I'm gonna have a meal, I want to really enjoy it. It's like when you, it's like when you you go into. Uh, I mean, the other day I, we, I was walking around Bath with Family Weaver, and I saw in uh, advertised outside um, Weatherspoons was mm. uh, a steak and chips for four nine or three ninety nine. Can we no good steak? <laughs> now that steak is going to be the worst steak you've ever tasted. It must oh. be. To be able to offer that meal for three ninety nine, there's yeah, no that's, way you can do it. That's burger money. That's not steak yeah, money. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you wouldn't even uh, even. I can't even remember the last time I bought a burger and chips for three ninety nine. No, that's like stray dog steak, isn't <laughs> that's it? Right. Yeah. If you go to like that's rat steak. In, now, anyone who lives in ba Bath will know Schwartz Burgers, right? That's a good burger. Very no nice. mistake. Schwartz do a good burger. I was chatting to uh, someone from America who came to Bath and said, "You you you've been to Bath? Oh, you know Schwartz Burgers? They're brilliant." They, they like they came from back from Britain and their their enduring memory of Bath was Schwartz. Schwartz they burger. do a, they do a decent takeaway burger, a really seriously good takeaway burger for what two ninety nine two fifty yeah, some somewhere in that region, mm. like 
that's you know, you pay that for a burger, you get a good bargain. It's the gourmet burger kitchen on your high street, the big burger chain. Yeah, yeah. You'll be paying six quid for a burger, yeah. and that will be a burger you'll enjoy. Make no mistake. Yeah. If you've got a steak which sits between those two prices, that ain't a good steak, my friend. <laughs> a steak is good in this country. A good steak is going to be eighteen quid. Yeah. Like in America, you'll get a good steak for twelve quid. In America, you'll get mm. a really good steak for a tenner. In in Britain, you got to pay for steak. Seriously, what I, what I don't pay. understand about this country is that so few people can cook a good steak here. Yeah, what is don't that? Have the equipment it's so for. easy. Yeah, you yeah. just you absolutely blast it with heat, and you leave the inside nice and pink. Yeah, and you wait until the blood comes up, and one side, one side, flip it, mm. lift for a little bit, job done. Well, that's apparently it. that's the way they do it. And you go to any good bar, or <laughs> yeah, that's the thing in America, any like a, a bar which serves food, like the most bog standard bargain basement bar will serve a steak which tops any yeah. good steak in this mm. country. And I don't even have steak in Britain anymore because having gone on holiday, gone on press trips, you have such good steak over. It just ruins you for yeah. British steak. And we've got great beef in this country. We've got great cattle. We yeah. really have. My uncle is a, a cattle farmer. The meat that he will produce is absolutely incredible. Yeah. No one can cook it. No. No, one could, no one can take that meat and cook it. And it's so easy. You just need to absolutely blast it. And you seal it. You see all those juices in, and you keep the inside nice and pink. People who um, do their stuff like super well done, forget you. You, yeah. ain't, you, ain't, you ain't having steak. No. Just, you, may, you might as well be eating burgers. You don't appreciate no. steak. My parents people. always made me have it well done when I was a little kid. No. They were like, oh, yeah, you, well, well you might as well just I, be having sausages. I've got to admit, though, it's only, it's only in my sort of... Only really since I left home that I started enjoying steak with a lot of pink in it. Yeah. You know, whereas I, I think my parents are the same. They always just made sure it was... But, I can't. I literally can't. It's inedible now. If you no. go back and have a black, I can't. Steak, I can't actually dodge it. I can't swallow it. No, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's there's disgusting. no flavour to it. It's just dry and mealy. And as I understand it, <coughs> restaurants actually really like people who like really well done steak because they can get rid of their old meat that way. Oh, right. Stuff which you know, because when it's when you when you're sort of just showing it to the flame, all the flavour stays in there. Mm. But as the meat gets a little bit older and it loses some of its flavour, don't matter because the people who have it like absolutely cooked. Scorched to, to death, they can't taste it anyway. They're not tasting anything of that meat. The, the, the day I realised, just as one last thing on the subject of steak, before we move, the day I realised that no one in Britain could, uh, could, could, I mean, maybe a bit of a sweeping statement, no one in Britain could cook steak was when yeah, we got taken to, out to, for that to, meal. To stop for one second, there are good steaks in Britain, but you really got to pay for them. Yeah. I know what you're going to say at right? the story. We, we yeah. got taken out by Rockstar uh, for a meal, which <laughs> was very nice of them to take us out. We went to one of the poshest restaurants in Bath. Yeah. The most expensive. It was lovely. We were really excited. Mike and I both had steak, and it was absolute turd. Yeah, it was shit. It? it was. It was. It was barely edible. I mean, that uh, was eight. That was eighteen yeah. or nineteen quid's worth. And of steak. the tiniest, tiniest little piece of steak as well. In America, they will serve your steak on a separate plate because it's so yeah. big. Yeah, that's what I love. I love the way Americans do yeah. food. Okay, so in America, you've, you've both been. Yeah, you go in. First things first, you sit down at your table, boom, there's your water, yeah. there's bread. Straight away, water and bread at the table. Yeah. And they'll keep topping that water up all the way through, they'll keep topping the bread up all the way through. Straight away, they ask you if you want a drink. Yeah, no problem, thank you, I'll have a drink. When you order that steak, it comes super fast. They bring, they bring the steak on one plate, and you'll have a side of potatoes, either mashed, boiled or fried, chipped, whatever, on the side, and a salad if you want it as well. And they'll be in two separate bowls. So you've got maximum room for your steak. Yeah. And God knows <laughs> you need it. Maximum plateage. Exactly. Extreme plateage. <laughs> and well, we went to a steakhouse and we got a, like it was a giant steak. And all we got with it was one massive carrot. Like not, not a carrot, just a plonk. A, yeah. Plonk a carrot. Yeah. 
and uh, and something else. Can't remember. It was like plonk, that's what you a bit want, though. Nothing to detract. And, from and the it was so steak. funny. We were all there, like laughing. Said, "Oh, look at the presentation here." Tasted it. It was the nicest yeah. thing to this date that I've ever eaten. Like it was even nicer than um, I had. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have Kobe beef. Yeah, in, I had uh, Kobe beef. But in Kobe Tokyo. And that wasn't as nice as like this I twenty dollars steak. I went to Kobe beef restaurant in uh, Palm Springs, <clears throat> and they cooked it. <clears throat> sorry, they cooked it in front of you, and just to prove the point, he whacked it on, turned it over, serve. Yeah, you know, that was it. That was it, and it was fantastic. But the heat they blast it with is so yeah. much that it really seals it all in. Yeah. The best meal I've ever had, and I recommend this to anyone who goes over to New York. There is a place called Pete's. Now, it's not the Pete's you're thinking of. There's a famous Pete's bar in New York. This isn't the famous one. This is one, I believe, it's between Lexington and the other, and the other avenue to the east, and it's around like 23rd Street. And they're a tiny little bar, and it's run by these two old guys. Tell me it's run by someone called Pete. I would Both imagine Pete. it is. But anyway, <laughs> I went in there, and for $16... I had literally the best chips, the best steak, and the best bread I've ever eaten, followed by the best cheesecake I've ever eaten. Uh, the cheesecake was a bit more, so so $19 total or something. And uh, a nice big pint of foamy beer, which you didn't really get on with in America, but it was proper impo imported mm. decent beer. It blew my mind. Now, if you come back to Britain, there's a, there's a place in Bristol where you can get decent steak at the top of uh, Park Street in the Clifton Triangle. But you're going to have to pay 20, 22, 23 pounds for a decent cut, which is equal to the size and taste of, of mm. theirs. Which why uh, the basic meal I had was like 14, 15 bucks for a porterhouse steak. And it was impeccable. Mm. Impeccable. And that's the difference. It's like you get genuine, what we would consider fine, fine quality dining for so little money in America. Yeah. Man alive, they can cook. But at the same time, they also do great atrocities, food atrocities, yeah. food apocalypses, like the breakfast burrito. Yeah. I was in Vegas uh, covering the UFC game, and the, everyone there was like, oh, let's get breakfast. Like, oh, yes, okay, get breakfast. I'll get a bowl of cereal or something. And they were like, no, you've got a breakfast burrito. That thing looked like someone had taken sausages, bacon, eggs, corn, God knows what else, eaten it, vomited <laughs> it back out, and put it, wrapped it in a burrito. That's what it looked like. <laughs> it was heinous. They all sat there munching out on it, forcing it into the hole in the middle of their face as if it was like the only thing which was going to sustain them and keep them alive. And they all sat there and ate it. Oh, yeah, it had chilies in it, for God's sakes. Breakfast. No. They, they forced it into this hole, and <laughs> sweating. They forced it into this hole in the next, like, you know, 105 degree heat. Breakfast. Um, dribbling, the, 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 the sauce running down their chins. That's disgusting. Put, forced <laughs> it into their faces, <clears throat> sat there like, Oh, <laughs> wish I hadn't had that now. And I was like, you know what? Sticking to the cereal from now on. Yeah. Thanks very much. This is a strong little, little game. bit of toast. <laughs> strong gaming podcast yeah, so yeah, far. Yeah, we should probably get back to the games, although not before I mention the uh, $1,000 omelette that, <laughs> yes, that was yes. on sale in uh, in uh, the hotel I stayed in Palm Springs. It's quite a posh hotel. Yeah. This is um, an omelette with like oysters, yeah, and oysters caviar. Yeah, any any expensive food. You can name all together was in there, yeah, and it freaking it stank <laughs> like I don't know, like a badger's so, rectum. There was a competition, it was right? Disgusting. There was a competition, right? Yeah, it was a competition. Um, it was a, com a geometry wars competition. Yeah, and there was this one girl who was a freakazoid at it, like she was so good at it. So she ended up getting the old thousand dollar omelette. Yeah, and you, could, <laughs> you could just see her face as she's all trying to. <laughs> 
gagging, gagging on it. Actually, yeah. actually, ate oysters mixed with caviar. <laughs> That's right, yeah. But, and um, eggs. But oh, yeah. Anyway, I suppose we should talk about. It. But the reason I brought up a GTA before, Mike, was because we had a question on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which um, you should probably go back to talking. We were talking about GTA. <laughs> There's actually like a couple of a game I'm going to want to discuss, perhaps on the next podcast, which is a PC game, uh, Machinarium, which is this kind of point and click game. Everyone's raving about it, and I'm going to be the sole voice of dissent and say I think it's actually very good. By the guys who did Samaros. Yeah, and it's entirely a Flash the Flash game, which they're actually selling through Steam, and it's a absolutely beautiful game. Really, the music is perfect, and the little cutscenes are so beautiful, and the, the graphics are incredible. But I don't think it's a very good game, and I'll, I'll come back to that on a later podcast. But I just I, I want it's a point and clicker, which I think should, probably should come to Live Arcade at some point because it's absolutely beautiful. But it's, it's. I never feel like I'm smarter in the game. This is a game that Matt will probably want to play at some point. I've already got it ordered. Yeah, and it's. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm kind of jumping into the deep end because I really don't really want to talk about it now. I want to talk about it once I've finished it because I am going to finish it because it's so so pretty and so it's such a nice, such a charming, little nice story. But I I feel like I'm just clicking my way through the game. Like I'm clicking on random things until something happens. I never feel like the puzzles in the game are puzzles I can work out. There was one, uh, there's one puzzle which I thought was brilliant, which was because you play as a little robot. In fact, I'm, we're going to talk about this now, so let's go back to the beginning. You, it, it begin, it's a, a flash game from the guys who made Samorost, and you, um, you're, you're this little robot who gets dumped outside the city. You have to find your way back into the city, rescue your girlfriend, and eventually you know, work your way through. I'm not sure what I'm doing at this point entirely because I'm halfway through the game and it's still introducing elements. And it's a point-and-clicker in a very old-fashioned mode. So, you know, for example, to get into the city, you go up, and there's a guy who's, uh, who's like a little robot policeman. He's watching you, and, he, and, you, and he's, you ring his bell, and he's like, oh, you know, you can't come in. So you look around, and you find the traffic cone. You stick it on your head, and you're like, oh, you know, I look like a policeman. Now let me in. He's like, no, you don't look like a policeman. You can't come in. So you find a pot of paint, and you paint it blue. And then you, you realise he's got a light in his helmet, so you find a light bulb and you screw that into the top of your head and eventually you make yourself look like one of them and you go in. That's like quite a logical puzzle. But later on you find most of the puzzles in the game are absolutely defy logic. I mean, they willfully defy logic at every point. So you end up having to just click on everything in the hope that something will respond to your actions. You know, In the hope that some, through some random fluke, something responds to your actions. For example, one of the puzzles is... You meet your girlfriend. You need, you, first, you need to get a hook, or at this point you don't realise you need to get a hook. So you talk to her and you take control of her briefly. The only thing she can actually click on in that room is, uh, is a, a pot on the stove. So you pick up the pot. Then you put the pot on the floor. And that's apparently the only action you can do. So you start, you start clicking around. And Pellet's covering his ear because he doesn't want it spoiled. Like, I'm playing like, it as if, it's, as if it's going to spoil it. The solution to the puzzle, ultimately, is that you need to give her a piece of corn which she, with which she'll make popcorn, and then the popcorn will go up the spout above the stove and knock down the hook outside the room. That's nonsense. I mean, that's just, there's, that's, that's, there's no logic to that puzzle. That's kind of like, and this might ring a bell with our audience, you know, with our readers who actually have played some of the old point-and-clickers. It's kind of like the, the, the classic puzzle where you have to use cat hair to make a fake moustache yeah. to pretend to be a person who doesn't even have a moustache in the first place. I was going to say, it sounds a bit like some of the old 
less good point and clicks where you ended up just putting your cursor all over the yeah. the, the screen waiting to, for it to trigger yeah, something exactly. yeah. not even all the not even less good ones so i mean there were bits like that in uh, in monkey island well, the, bro- the broken sword ones are like that yeah, yeah. i remember a bit in fate of, the, fate of the atlantis actually that was a bit like that where you just like, i was just like where the bloody hell do i go next it's just willful defiance of logic, and because of that, you don't feel like you're smarter in the game. You never feel like you're outsmarting the game. You feel like the game is taking a piss at you. Like it feels, you feel like the game is, is loaded the deck so much in its favour mm. that all you can do is click and click. And, I, and the game is so attractive and so engaging that I really want to truck on through. And there are kind of some cool logic puzzles, sliding puzzle things, and you know, twisty, turny knob puzzles. And you feel those, those are kind of you know, you feel like okay, I'm, re- I'm using my brain to. And there was one really good puzzle where there's an owl which mimics your movements. And he's on a washing line. And you're like, oh, I don't want to, I need to get him down. But the trick is in that he mimics your movements by extending your body and then shrinking yourself over and over again. He'll bounce up and down enough to break the line. Right. It's a very clever puzzle. But the, those puzzles are few and far between. Mostly they're puzzles which, which are, so, are so anti-logical that, which isn't a word, but, you know, have that, readers. Mm. Add that to your lexicon. It, 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 kind of, it kind of feels like I'm not... There's nothing I can do here but click on everything. It's um, disappointing in that reason, but it's got, a lot of people are absolutely loving it online, and I can see why. But for me, the actual game within the game, it, it ain't so good. I was, mm. I'll, I'll bring it up because I think at some point it really it is a game which belongs on on my arcade. And it is a game which could really could really work there. That's why I like Miss because you have to like click on everything to see what it does, but then you have to work out like properly work out how to solve puzzles. Yeah, I think Miss tends to do that. There's not a well. lot of that in Machinarium. I mean, there's a lot of you get like a bunch of different objects, and it's it's very much like the old. And like, I think it is Broken Sword Four or something like that with the old the cat hair. Puzzle, which is a, a very famous, completely insane puzzle. We have to I use. I really don't remember that. Sellotape a hole in a, 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 a roof of a building and a cat to create a fake mustache, which is kind of. It's like. It's, it's, imagine, it's, it's what I always find with point and clicks. And it's the, it's the, it's a, to, to take an extreme example, it's like there's a glass case. There's something under the glass case. You have a hammer. You click use hammer on glass case. The guy says, I can't do that. You click use. Rag on glass case, can't do that. Use screwdriver on glass case, can't do that. Use, and you, keep go, you go through your entire mm-hmm. inventory. Mm-hmm. You go through everything. And then in the end, it turns out all you have to do is click, use glass case, and he lifts mm-hmm. it up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, that, it's that thing where the game teaches you so much to do one thing and then throw something at you, which, which it uses none of those things. And it absolutely defies the logic it's established in its own world. Mm-hmm. So the, the worst case of a nonsensical point-and-click puzzle was on the original xbox it's a game called still life um and there's this bit like halfway through where it's, so you're chasing after a serial killer and you're playing as this woman and then you flash back to like her granddad or something as he's hunting a serial killer um i, th- I think that's I not played this game kind of a brief overview and it was a to be continued and then uh, i think they're only now just like getting around to doing the second one and there's this bit halfway through where you go visit your dad and you're in his kitchen and you can't progress until you make a cake. And you've got this this list of how... It's not even like a list of how to make a cake. It's like this like this poem. In fact, I think it is a poem. And you've got all these ingredients on the table. And it's only... It, it doesn't explicitly say that this poem that you've got is, is how to bake a cake. It's just stupid point and click logic. So it's like... 
oh, and uh, a handful of love, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like all these, like, love is supposed to be, I don't know what it was in the game, but say love is eggs or, or no, or flour or something. Yeah. You have to kind of match up, like, the ingredients Sounds to these terrible. stupid things in the puzzle, in the poem. Absolutely dreadful. Half an hour I was baking that bloody cake, trying to get all of the ingredients, like matching up eggs to summer in, in, in the poem. And what Why? Was, Why? Yeah, yeah. I, what, with putting clicks have sort of had a little resurgence of late, and I don't, I'm not really sure why. I, mean, I know a lot of people miss them. I know Matt missed them, you know, kind of missed them. Rob certainly mm. missed them a great deal. But I just think the reason pointing clicks worked so well back in, back in the day on the Amiga and so on was because the most sophisticated interaction you could have with a game was in these kind of games where it offered you so many options, to the, well, apparently so many options to interact. In actual fact, there's very rarely more than one with, um, with these objects and you know, combining these things. And you, know, you, you really felt like I'm really interacting with this world. But now games are sophisticated enough that we, can, we, we have better ways of interacting with, with game worlds. And I, don't, I think point and clicks died out not because there was a loss of interest from gamers in them because developers lost interest in them mm. because they realized that, you know, this, I, I have, a, I, know I can make better, I can make a better way of interacting now. I don't need to do, you fall back on these old, old systems. And so many of these games feel so, so anachronistic now, so old. And in much in the, in the cake baking mode, the first episode of the Wallace and Gromit games begins with baking a cake or, 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 or um, cooking breakfast, I believe. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. breakfast. And later on, on, in the third chapter or something, you have to uh, make a, uh, like a miracle grow formula yeah. to make your daisies grow. And again, it's like the game's taking the piss out of you. It's just like, okay, so what do I need? I need to make breakfast. All right, egg, egg and bacon. Brilliant. I'll go and get some eggs. Well, it's what it's in Gromit World, so I have to get him to lay the egg. All right. I'll, I'll use the thing to prod him to make him lady egg. It's up, to, it's up to that. The thing's missing. All right, I'll go and get the thing to... So I, you get the thing to make it do the prod. I mean, I'm not sure if this is why it's Yeah, you have, it to, you have to prod the chicken. Yeah, and then you have to get... But, but the egg falls down, so you need to put something on the pulley. Yeah. You need to put a pulley on this rope so that it, it carries the egg down. I think, by default, the hammer is set to smash, so yeah. you have to change the hammer to tap. So at every <laughs> point, there's something which is defying you, which is absolutely defying you, you know? At every point... This a trial and error thing. You sort of you, you get the prodding device working, it lays the egg, but now the egg's breaking. Okay, so now I've got to move the ramp into place. And then, okay, no, 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 that, I've done that, so I've finished the puzzle. Oh no, wait, I've not because the hammer's smashing the egg. All right, so I have to fix that. Now then, it's, it's just some something else and something else and something else. That to me isn't isn't mm. a, a joy, you know. No. But I I find it occasionally if it's done right, I find it great fun to play because for me, point and clicks are interactive puzzle books. And uh, it's something that I, I can play and enjoy. Well, the the with ultimate extension of that is, of course, Professor Layton, which is an excellent game, which maybe really so, is an but, interactive puzzle book. But like point and clicks, what I find is I tend to play them with with my better half, and it's a game. They're, they're games where we can both have the same input, regardless of who's in control of the mouse or the controller or whatever. Mm. She can have as much input into the game as I can. If we're playing Gears of War, then that's very much like me blasting through with, yeah. with the controller, and and like Lucy sitting there. You know, blank expression on their face. I, I was going to say I play Halo with my girlfriend. She, but that, she, that, she's rubbish, though. But <laughs> I mean, you know, Lucy's not used to playing 360. Yeah. She she would have no interest. But point and clicks. You know, we're both, you know, trying to solve the problems, and it's not like I'm playing and she's watching. Yeah. You know, she's not a spectator in point and clicks. Well, she like, can have like, as much say input. games like Mist and Seventh Guest and stuff were like you know perfect, yeah, exactly perfect for sitting yeah. around the TV and all working together on a puzzle. 
All right, so what, that was a lengthy diversion, but we were going to talk about GTA, yeah. right? Well, someone asked us if we'd still, through our Twitter feed, asked us if we'd still put the same score on GTA. And Twitter's really not the, uh, the appropriate forum, because they need a little short format. It's not the appropriate forum to which to really discuss such a, yeah, a, a complicated subject. thing. But yeah, it's like, you know, you ask, would we still put the same score on GTA? Firstly, none of us put that score on GTA. Mm. Uh, that was Rob Taylor. He, speak, he, spoke, so he speaks on behalf of the magazine, so he speaks for, you know, for all of us. But would we still put the, the big 98 on GTA 4? Well, the first thing, uh, the first thing we need to <coughs> sort of clarify for, for people out there is that when we score games, the, review, the reviewer often will, will play the game through to completion and will have a number in mind that they're going to give it. Now, generally, that, that number is... I don't think there's very many games in the office that come in that we massively disagree with one another about the scores we've given it. Yeah, There, there have been occasions, but I can't really think of any off the bat. No. The footy games are always the contentious. The footy games are always contentious, but I think, I think this year it's less contentious mm -hmm. because... Well, we've been we've been over this ground. So I think gen I think what we should establish first of all is that when we when we when we score a game, we're not. Although Rob put that score on it, um, we all may we all generally agree that GTA Four is a is a is a brilliant game. You know, one of the best on the system. So it's not like one of us thinks that GTA is a absolute pile of knob, and that you know the, the score we gave it is massively inflated. But there are going to be differences of opinion to the point where it will make one or two. Especially percent. when you're dealing with tenths of a percent. Yeah, you know, one it, or two percent difference. Well, maybe tenths of, you know, maybe three or four. Hundreds percent. of a percent. Whatever. So that's what we should establish right at the, at the start. So we're certainly not, you know, before we start any, you know, talking about this, we're not sort of saying the that, actual process of reviewing a game is a podcast in and of itself. Yeah. One you can actually hear on a future DVD because Matt and I have spoke about it on our last mm. DVD podcast. The Insider Cast. Yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah, would we would we score it the same? I think probably we wouldn't score it quite as high. I think that if we're being honest, you know, it's it's still a fantastic game. I think it's still one of the best games on the system, maybe the best. I mean, Hoodie, for example, thinks it's the best game he's played on the 360. Mm. It's certainly one of the most well-made games mm. on the system. I mean, it's the actual to to put the wank hat on for a second, the craftsmanship of that game mm. is just it's, I mean, when, I, when in my Forza review, you'll, you'll, hopefully our readers who pick up the magazine will hear me gushing about just the, the craftsmanship, how well made every element is, how everything from the menus to the, you know, to, for, to, the, like even the menus are spot on, like they've made them so good. Every element of that game is just expertly made. And GTA is very much a, a similar case. It's a game where you can find almost no fault with how that game is made. Mm. I think what a lot of people in retrospect have, have held against GTA is something we've already kind of talked about, which is that it's lacked a certain sense of fun. Yeah. You know, it was very serious. Um, I mean, it still, it still had that sense of humour in that, you know... Yeah. It still had... The sense of humour was definitely still there. I guess there. ridiculousness then, you know, yeah, that sort the, of sense of... Well, the story often had ridiculous elements, but and you know the character, the characters, and so on. But the actual world didn't have that, sa that mm. same sense of madness. Yeah. You know, the, the whole thing of going and starting a fight with a bunch of policemen and trying to stay alive for as long as you could. Yeah. That was much more fun in the early earlier GTAs, yeah. even quite though discouraged they discouraged in, in GTA. 4, yeah, yeah, and it was quite it was quite tough to be that kind of 
that, that kind of madman in the world, you know? Mm. So I think that, I think, I don't know, I don't know what you guys think, but I think, you know, generally, generally, I mean, if we, I think in retrospect, maybe, maybe it didn't turn out to be quite as, you know, the ridiculousness of the previous games was what really, uh, for many people, made the ex GTA experience, you know, that sort of that extra layer of literally, uh, you know, for me, like playing those games and you, you just wandering around and you think, I, I think I'll go through this alleyway or this doorway and then you find something in there that totally changes the way yeah. you play the game, like a parachute. Yeah. You know, like remember, in, was it San Andreas? San Andreas, yeah. San Andreas, you got to the top of the, found the, found the parachute. Now, that's great, you know, I mean, that's the sort of, whereas in GTA 4... Not so much of that kind of thing. Well, even more than that, it was uh, with the past GTAs, you would so often be like, yeah, I think I'll do a mission now. I think I'm just going to go on a, have a bit of fun. Mm -hmm. Just drive around, have some fun. And in GTA 4, not once did I feel the need to go and do anything other than mm -hmm. the missions in the game. I mean, Vice City wasn't the whole Destruction Derby area. You, yeah. you could get on the motorbike and yeah. like do the jumps over the rooftops. And yeah. It was a lot, yeah. The, it was, yeah, the motorbike thing, where I was like, mm, yeah, yeah, you have a load of rooftops, and you could just race along. And that's the number of times in Vice City where I just raced along these beachfront apartments, yeah. just along the roofs, just going over and over and over yeah. again, or just driving it like a, a, a flight of stairs, just to launch yourself. <laughs> and it was that. That was. I mean, that was something which was in GTA Four. And then you find was, a hidden package, and you're like, oh, cool, a yeah. hidden package mm. there. And, and you, you know, sure, you could do that in GTA Four, but it never. Not once did I ever feel like I, I wanted to. The, the world was, was, was such that it didn't ever encourage me to do that. Mm. I mean, there were ramps and so on, but I always sort of felt like by hitting that ramp, I was just ticking another box on, a, on the ramp checklist mm. rather than really having fun hitting the ramp, you know? I think also what's probably worth, worth pointing out is that because we work in percentages... I mean, we we all happen to kind of like percentages, which is why we still we still do percentage scoring. Um, but when you work in percentages, you do kind of, in in some respects, make a rod for your own back because if GTA, if we scored one to ten, GTA yeah. would probably get a ten. So would Orange Box. So would Orange so Box. Would Forza. So would Forza. Yeah. So would Batman. And there'd, there'd be no there'd be no discussion about what was better than what you know. Yeah. But that's kind of. The, the flip side of that is that we actually quite like the discussion of, you know, how does this compare to that and, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff. So Well, when you certainly when you get above 90, those those tenths become so much more important. Yeah. Those, those little, those, the gap between 92 and way, 93. Yeah, the gap between, as Matt says, the gap between like 80 and 85 is small. Mm. The gap between... Ninety and ninety-five is huge. Yeah, uh, and you know it's just a it's just a perception thing. It's a quirk of the you know, the, the human brain, but mm. it, it is true, and we do take that certainly when we get to that part quite seriously. But you know we, we will when we're if we play two similar games, if we it, we definitely enjoy one more than the other, we'll look at the score of the previous game mm. and, and can score it in comparison. But I wouldn't ever score Forza in comparison to Batman. No, you know that's not. This, that's not you know it's a comparable thing. You wouldn't score Assassin's Creed two in comparison to Halo. No. You, you wouldn't, but you would definitely score in comparison to Assassin's Creed one, mm. mm -hmm. and you, you know you would definitely score Forza in comparison to Project Gotham. Mm. Like that, those are appropriate com comparisons. So even though it is the ninety eight, which is officially the highest score we've ever given out, it isn't fair to say well that makes it better than the Orange Box no. because the Orange Box with its ninety seven, the second highest scoring game. It's such a different game. Mm. It's such a different prospect, so much more stuff on the disc, you know, all these different games. 
it's um it's just at what it does it's the best you know yeah. it's the best you know yeah. sandbox uh, there yeah. is a big statement to be made though i mean rob gave it the 98 to make a statement to say this is the best game yeah. on the 360 does it still feel like the best game on the 360 to me you know it it doesn't it doesn't to me to me uh, it's it, i do, even now i don't even think it's the best made game on the 360 i think forza's taken out but then i've never really came into this business thinking in terms of the best game of the year best game of the generation best game of this best game of that these are phrases we sling around to make sort of processing the concepts easy yeah. to say like because it's, it's so many people were saying that a game is very good and or you know it's brilliant you got to play it to explain why it's very good takes a long time but when you say to someone that is the best game I've played all year, you instantly communicate yeah. something very powerful. Yeah. Uh, or this is the best game I've played all generation. It's the highest score you give in a game all generation. You're you're instantly communicating something very powerful, which would otherwise take a long time to explain. Uh, I wouldn't place GTA in that bracket personally for me, uh, but it is still without question one of the best game made best made games on the 360. Whether it's to your taste. I don't know. We can't rate to everyone's taste. We can only rate to our taste and to how well made the game is. I think we've also said, we've touched upon it before. I think it was in a podcast that, you know, reviews are also, they're not just, um, you know, reviews stretching to the end of the, the console's life. They're reviews from that point in time. Like at that time when the review was written, what was the market like? What games were out then? Mm. You know, since GTA, that was what, last April? Yeah. It's more yeah. than a year and a half yeah. since GTA. We've had a lot of good, good games since then. Have we had you know games better than GTA? A lot of games better than GTA? No, personally, I don't think we have. Um, but there are definitely games that have been released since then that were we to now review GTA, we would maybe think hmm, that mm. bit doesn't work quite as well as it does in this other one, yeah. or yeah. you know, this kind of shows GTA up in this in this regard. So um, yeah, it's, that was a very much a review from we April said this 2008. Before, so, you know, we score game scores are subject to inflation. Mm. They really, you know, they they they're subject to as as other games come out, those games are inevitably better, and the standard increases as that benchmark is shoved around, is, is moved. So the scores, if you could, you would want to be like, yeah, you know what? This month after this certain games come out. In comparison, GTA has probably been brought down to a 96, and this game is a 96. You know, if, if you were really obsessing over it, you could do that. Mm. It's why systems like Metacritic are inherently flawed, you know, mm. because over time these things do shift. It's like Citizen Kane, often considered one of the best movies of all time. But is it really? It certainly was. It certainly the, the, the it was really yeah. so it was so good at the time. Even though the critics, of course, at the time absolutely kicked his face in. Mm. But so ahead of its time, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was that thing. But as, as it was a long time ago, and you know, could those same arguments still hold? There is, a, there is a degree of <coughs> subjectivity to it as well. You know, I mean, taking the Citizen Kane example, you know, Citizen Kane is a, is a good film, but um, like you say, is it the best film ever made? For me, no, not not anywhere near it. No. Um, it was redonkulous. It's, it's the praise given is because it was so redonkulously ahead of its time. Yeah, you know. it took Drew such great. You know, I, I studied. I studied film at university, so I could talk about it forever. But because obviously, the first film we watched, Citizen Kane. And as reviewers, all, all we can do is is try and give an idea of just how good or just how bad this game is in the moment. In the moment, and and but people will take it away, and people may hate GTA. People may hate Orange Box. People may love Two Worlds. You know that's the way mm. that's the way it is, and uh, we can only we can only uh, you know put out there how we think it feels. And I think 
Do you know what? I think 95% of the time, maybe even more than that, we're right. Well, And that's not me mm. saying, oh, we're right. But I think, you know, we are right most of the time. Well, you know? Something I would also say yeah. is that if you look at... Uh, this is something I brought up on the InsiderCast as well, so you'll hear me echoing slightly. If you look at... Um, the reviews for Watchmen. Go to Metacritic and pull up the reviews for the Watchmen movie. And you'll have scores there which are uh, 100%, which will be probably a 5 out of 5 or a 10 out of 10 in certain publications and for certain critics. And ones which are a flat, two thumbs down, absolute rubbish, you know, hate this movie. That is what it looks like when something really polarises the audience. Mm. And that doesn't happen very often in games. Cause, and it's partially because games are... You know, so very different. It is quite easy to assess the quality of a game. You see, it's quite easy to say a game is very bad if it's completely broken, for instance, if it's, if it's full of bugs. So again, it's easy to say a game is very good if it's so well made. But the sub in between those two things, there's the subjectivity, where you have to sort of bring opinions into it. And that's what we trade, and that is our stock and trade. We trade an opinion. And when critics, like when a group of writers whose job is criticism come together and they really engage with a game... It looks like the Watchmen reviews. There are different scores. And people are so caught up in like whether a score is the right score or the wrong score, that it, it, we miss the opportunity to do what film critics have been doing for you know, half a century, which is to really engage with it and just say, you know what, for me this isn't right. And it makes a really good argument why it doesn't work. For someone else to come up with another really good argument why it does. I think the only game which has really had that kind of response on the 360th generation has been Mirror's Edge. Mm. There have been excellent cases made for why that game is a, is a really great game. There's been excellent cases made, and I think mine was one of them, for why it's not a good game, why it absolutely doesn't work, and why it, it's a complete dead end for, for, for both platforming and first-person shooters. That's what it should be like. It should be a dialogue. You know? it should be, there should be contrasting opinions. But everyone's so busy looking for the right score... They don't look at, you know, the argument behind the score. Mm. And that's what you should be looking at in the end. It's like, look at the text. Does the number at the end of the text say, agree with the, the argument? And is the argument one which you can say, you know what, I can see that. I, I get that. And, that's what, and that, for me, is what's really interesting. When you get a review where you're like, man, I love Batman. I love Batman. And you sit down and someone who's, you, who you like and respect has written a review of Batman. And they've said, well, actually, you know, this isn't quite so good. And what about the way they recycle the same bosses over and over again. Is that, do you think they really ran out of ideas there? That's not something which you would get. Maybe, you know, Metroid wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have recycled the same. And you start thinking, well, you know, that is true. I, I didn't, you know, they, they, did, they did reuse the same bosses over and over again. And, you know, most of the time I did spend my time just sitting on gargoyles. That, really, really, that wasn't the best use of the stealth in that game. It's actually much more fun when you get down at ground level and they didn't encourage me to be at ground level enough. Maybe that's something they should have done. And all of a sudden, my opinions, my opinion of the game has been informed by a critical opinion. So I, I really liked it. He didn't like it. Well, now I can take somewhere a position in between and say, okay, I see what you're saying, but what about this? And then it becomes a dialogue, and I think that's what, at its best, our writing should be. Uh, do, we, do we hit that every, all the time? I'm not sure if we do. Maybe, ho Hopefully we do. That's what we should always be trying it's to do. It's sad to see the older, the, the older scores posted up online, especially Edge scores. Edge is Without context, taken yeah. uh, by many people to, to be the industry standard online. And literally, game number, game number, game number. And then pages it. upon pages of, that's wrong. That should be a nine. Mm. That shouldn't be. Like Borderlands, they just got a six in the latest Edge. 
people online, Borderlands is brilliant. Nine or ten, it should have been a ten. I, like, I know the guy who reviewed that, and he makes an excellent argument exactly. for, why it, for why it's a six. And I, and justified I, I really like Borderlands, but I absolutely agree with every complaint he has about the game. I absolutely agree with every complaint, even though I've, I really enjoy it. And come on, like we can we can do that. We can we can say to people right now, it's like okay, just that is the mature response. That is the that's the response you want. You want to just say, hey, you know what? I I think that's wrong, but man, he makes a he makes mm. a good point. But if he doesn't make a good point, then you can go. You can yeah. you can put your stomping boots on. Mm. If he comes out and says, oh man, Borderlands is rubbish because oh there's no platforming in it. I love platform <laughs> games, <laughs> and then you can get the old study old obnel boots out and stomp on that dude's face. It's especially that, funny when the people like it's getting so angry haven't. Okay, in this case, people who were complaining by and large had played the game. I don't think any of them at that point had played it for as long as, as you know no. the review had. But you get people chipping in who have never played it, and all they've got to go on are the you know the previews. Oh, we got a lot of that with before. Two Human because we, so, we kicked Two Humans fe- like you know kicked Two Humans. We kicked it around the houses a bit yeah. before the game came out, and we had a lot of people who hadn't played it telling us how wrong we were. Mm. It's just a funny quirk of the industry. To sort of uh, wrap it up, we can go back to what you're saying. Like I think what Rob made, what Rob did when he reviewed GTA was he made a hell of a case for a 98. Mm-hmm. And that case still holds true yeah, right now. So it, if the num- number might not be the number we'd still put on it, but Rob's Rob's case for that number is still absolutely holds true. I mean, one of the quotes with the old, with your scoring system you'll be seeing uh, in this issue and the next issue we've got our top 100. And the one that's just come out, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an, uh, as an example. We've got NBA 2K9, which is on 84. Now, also this issue, we've got NBA 2K10, which has come out, which is definitely a better game. But, you know, with regards to other games, other sports games that have been released at the same time, you know, it's an 82. The line shifted. Are we saying 2K9 is better than 2K10? No, we're not. Mm. It is, yeah, exactly as Mike says, the line has since shifted because we've got, you know, a year's more experience under our belts. We've seen what what can be offered right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so next issue, when we update our, our top 10 to include this issue's reviews, uh, 2K9 will indeed drop out and 2K10 will take its place in a different place in the top 100. Mm. Slightly lower down as, as as it would happen, but um, that isn't to say that 2K10 is worse than 9. Mm. It's just the case of that's a review written in late 2009, whereas the other one was written in 2008. And it was Thanks, a very Mr. different Twitter market. man. That gave us a lot to, uh, yeah, gave us a lot to chat about. So we haven't got many questions this this week, have we? Uh, no, I didn't actually come no, with a no. sheet today, sadly. Let's wrap up with a little bit of did 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 do again. They he told you. Yeah, Daytona. So Daytona's oh, coming yeah. back. Yeah, we'll wrap up with a uh, wrap up with a little bit of this because it's a fun thing to chat about, and it'll be a nice way to say bye bye to our readers for the next two weeks. Hopefully, two weeks this time. It will be. It will be. Yeah, we we were off for um we we missed the last one. We do apologise. Basically, we had a, a short deadline issue. And it shifted all of our deadlines, and we ended up missing our, our recording slot. But we will be back two weeks from now, because now we're, our deadlines are in position again. But anyway, um, Daytona USA is coming back. But it's not called Daytona USA, because Sega don't own the rights to the Daytona name Who anymore. Who owns the rights to that, then? Who knows? But it's not, it's not Sega. But they're bringing it back as Sega Race Classic, okay. which is a high-definition version of Daytona USA coming to arcades, minus, did, 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 you know, minus all that stuff. Um, can not keep the, the music and just like Sega Racing Classic? Well, hopefully they can because <laughs> the music is brilliant. But they're bringing this game back. Um, maybe bringing it to consoles. We hope they will. We've so we've heard nothing, but I, I'm I'm harassing Sega about it literally on, on, a, on a daily basis. It's perfect for a live mm-hmm. arcade. Um, 
and it's it's going to be great. I, can't, I really can't wait to play. I'm going to have to try and find the arcade in the country which this guy at, and, and we'll hunt it down. But um, it got me thinking. Back when I was a kid, you go to the arcade, and I was a kid at just the right time when 3D arcade games were first coming in. So I remember when Virtual Racing came in at a local laser quest. That's where we used to do most of our gaming. In Bristol, near the old fire station, near the police station, there was um, a laser quest, and we would do most of our gaming there because it was kind of a safe arcade where you, you, wouldn't, get, you wouldn't get your 50p stolen off the top of the machine mm. like many of the arcades in Bristol. So we would go in and we would play um, Mortal Kombat 2, big time. Played loads of Mortal Kombat 2. Street Fighter 2, obviously, everyone played that. Remember they had the, uh, the Sega boxing game, uh, mm. title fight or something? I think yeah. it might be quite, I'm not sure, but it was on with the two, two things which controlled the fists and you would you know, punch fools up and play uh, Samurai Showdown on, the, on the, mega, the massive screen. They had a huge screen, which has, was really huge, but it, had, it was a massive back projection machine, so it was like really deep. I remember when Virtual Racing came in, I remember not being that impressed with 3D games at the time. It didn't, it didn't really ring a bell for me. I was still playing like, like Mortal Kombat and stuff. And then Virtual Fighter came in, and, and then eventually um, Virtual Racing was replaced by a Daytona USA machine, which was like, you know, then it was sort of getting serious. And from then on, like, it began to get in the way that all games were going to be 3D. And... But what Daytona USA had that no other game had in any arcade, and if you went to Western on the pier, if you went to Mr. B's in Western Super Mario, you know Mr. B's? I do know Mr. B's, yeah. Mr. B's in Western. <laughs> the one thing Daytona USA had that no other, no other game had was that song. And it didn't matter where you were in the arcade, what you were doing, what game you were playing, all you could hear was did did it did 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 you all you could hear. It had the best attract sequence ever because it was the loudest attract sequence ever. You could not go anywhere in that building without having Daytona USA ram down your throat. I always kind of felt sorry for the guy who works on the checkout, you know, not the checkout, the the exchange yeah. thing. And they got a sad job anyway because they must they, yeah, yeah. They, they must the coin man must deal with some sad punters. Yeah. Guy who's literally, literally just rolled in with his gyro and is about to stuff it all into yeah, a fruit yeah. machine. And that's the thing, you go to an arcade now, it's nothing but yeah, fruit. No, mm-hmm. I took my uh, girlfriend to Weston. One of the first things I, we did when we were first going out was like, I said, you know what, I'm going to take you to Weston. You like video games, I'll take you to Weston Supermare. We'll go to the pier and we'll play all the old video games Afterburner, Bubble Bubble, all these old games. You have a blast, it'll be a great laugh. Not I mean, there. Well, the pier burnt down. <laughs> Literally that week. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. The week I was going to take her there, three days before we were going to go, the pier burnt down. Yeah. But I thought, you know what? There's still be Mr. B's. Yeah. There'll still be all the others. It's all slots now. Yeah. It's all fruits. We went there the other week, took Aaron to the down to the beach, and uh, and yeah, she, I just we walked past the arcades. And I just so it used to be that road, didn't there? Yeah. Yeah. One road which was nothing but arcades. Just fruit, just fruit machines. And it was really, you know, in that Mr. B's, they used to have. All the like I say, all the arcade. I'm sure this was true of any city if you go to any, you know, seaside town. But they had all the old arcade games. Near they had the a back, yeah. Soft play set, you know, like with huge yeah, ball, like, pit, ball yeah. pits and all that sort they of stuff. They had all right? the old arcade machines near the back <coughs> for 20p and 30p a credit. So you'd put in 20p for one credit, 50p for three. Mm. And you'd be able to play Bubble Bobble, Final Fight, all the old arcade games. And at the front, you'd have Killer Instinct, Virtual Racing, and even a virtual reality machine. Alpine Racer. Yeah. All that sort of stuff, and it was just you know. It's all yeah, gone, and he actually had the old virtuality setup, which I played and was utterly crap. Yeah. Now, see that that virtuality that, that company killed virtual reality forever because everyone's memory of virtuality was that heavy helmet with a super low frame rate and just feeling sick using yeah. it. Like now that technology is mature, you can put like a, a visor on your face, which is li- like basically a pair of specs. Yeah, and 
No one's interested in doing it because everyone's been poisoned by virtuality. There's yeah. a reason why I'm quiet up until now in this conversation. That's because I didn't really have any arcades. Yeah. I had none. The, well, my, course, I have you to, came to it late, right? Yeah, I had two, two experiences of uh, arcade games. One was whenever we'd go to the local showcase, which was in Peterborough, which was still like a 45-minute drive away, and it wasn't that often. And I just, like, literally the only game I played there was tr- Time Crisis. Mm. Yeah, great game. But uh, you're talking, like, a pound a time. And, like, it's not easy to get your mum to give you a pound when honest, you when she's already paid, like, six quid for a, s- a cinema ticket to, and to, popcorn and to stuff. To be honest, a lot of the fun went out of arcade games when it when it went out to a quid ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, back in the day when it was 20p, maybe maybe 50p tops. 50p yeah. credit you can get behind, yeah. Yeah. Um, Pound, you They're know. too expensive now. And the and, and the other one was I went to Italy on a school skiing trip with some friends, and they had this little arcade place there. And we were, I think, we were there for four days. Like every night, we'd go there and playing Metal Slug. Yeah, I can't remember which one mm. to be honest. That was good. Imagine some of them, that. You some can't of them. Even imagine that going to an arcade to play a, a platform shooter anymore. No. Yeah. Can't even a side-scrolling shooter. You can't even imagine doing that. And then they had loads of stuff. Some of them were were just crowded around the strip poker game and giggling when when some cartoon last like got a kit off. But I was. So just you've only been to an arcade money. twice. Like proper. Well, no, showcase cinema doesn't count. Right. So, uh, so I, I think I've been into a couple. When I was in Tokyo, I I decided that you know I'd have half a day just to go around. Uh, Akihabara and go into all the arcades and it was really depressing actually because there were all these different arcades they had about eight floors each but they were all the same it felt like once you've been in one like mm. if you go into another one down rows the street it's identical the same games as well absolutely and like so you'd have like um, there's so, like the first, few, there's the so t- few games now but they essentially become centres for where people meet up to play one game yeah to play to, to where all the Virtua Fighter guys turn up to play Virtua Fighter exactly they had um, like the, f- the the first two floors were just like grabbing machines stuff like that I mean they're not games they're mm. in theme park um, attractions and the other the and other then six floors of pachinko uh, there were a couple I mean there tended to be uh, just pachinko halls to be honest mm. there, there were some in, in those arcades like the top two floors were I'd never even seen games like them before. They're, everyone had like a giant table with a PlayStation Eye type thing and they'd be laying down cards. They'd be playing football games or, or some robotic mecha game, I don't know. And they'd be laying down cards onto this table to like organise their formations and send things into battle. And uh, and obviously in the middle there's loads of rhythm action games, the old uh, drum yeah. mania. And, uh, yeah, I, my abiding memory of arcades will always be Final Fight. Now, that is a game I just lost so much money to. Not lost, but, you know, like, plumped a lot of money into. Yeah. Brilliant. I loved it back in the day. I remember down at Holborn Caravan Park, down at, down <laughs> at Bournemouth, and me and my cousin used to go in there every single day. They used to have an arcade there. We used to play Final Fight, everything. Or, or Turtles. The what was four, this? The four-player one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that called? Uh God, I think it was just called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Well, Hero Turtles in the UK. That was the Konami one, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, that was quite good. Yeah. And those two, really? That, that was one's it. available on uh, Live Arcade. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, arcades were defined on a trip to Butlins in Minehead in about 87, probably, 86, 87, and where I played, where I fell in love with Thunderblade. Yeah. Fell in love with Thunderblade and Operation Wolf. Operation Wolf. Operation yeah. Wolf. No, that was a game. That was a game. I had to stand on a box to play it as well. That was brilliant <laughs> back in the day because you're like, it's the real gun, I'm firing a real <laughs> yeah. gun. And, so, and Thunderblade was great because it had a big... Hydraulic kind of cabinet, yeah. so it wasn't hydraulic. It was just actually a big, a big mechanical thing where yeah. you stick the stick, turn the cog, 
Um, Which was first, Operation Wolf or Thunderbolt? Thunderbolt was the sequel. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thunderbolt was the sequel. Um, yeah, I fell in love with arcades and I got my ZX Spectrum, like I think, uh, that Christmas because I, yeah. I fell in love with it so much. We might have been down at, at Butlins at the same time. I reckon I was down there in about 87, yeah. yeah. You would have been a, little, a year older than me. A few years older, yeah. Oh, they, had, they had a good soft play area at Butlins. They, did, they yeah. really did. We it's went all, down there in the summer and it, it's like, it's sort of, you don't realise it now, but when I went down to Weston the other week, I realised it like, it was so depressing. Like yeah, it's so depressing. It really is, yeah. It was like a it's real kind of, zombie time. I wonder if it was in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, it is now, but was it in Back the 80s? Back then, I didn't really, you know, obviously don't know. It's, it's, it's all think, like, sort of, it's all faded glory, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. All of it. The entire time is just faded glory. It's just horrible. Sort of, de de sort of just decay. Yeah. As things that should have just been abandoned for, like, oh man, remember the Tropicana, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Tropicana and Western, which uh, our listeners are, gonna, are gonna, not going to know anything about. It's an open air swimming pool yeah. in Western, absolutely packed them in yeah. for the best part of, you know, I think, I imagine like half a century, yeah. and then died in the then 90s. Died, absolutely yeah. died in the 90s. But it was, you know, in the 80s, it was all because the summers in the 80s, as we all know, the sun always came out. For of course, four, it was always blazing months. hot, always 95 degrees. But yeah, I remember Tropicana and the giant. The, you remember the giant with half a face and you could run into his mouth? No, I don't. Oh, right, yeah. That's I cool. remember, remember the slides. I love slides. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's literally a nostalgia fest. Yeah. But um, the, the for me, arcades are fully... The defining arcade moment for me was when I was old enough to be able to be a guy who was stacking the coins on the coin op. And it was when Street Fighter came out. And I went to an arcade and I was playing, it was in Mallorca, I'd gone on holiday, total tourist trap. I was over there and they had a WrestleFest arcade machine and I loved wrestling at the time. WrestleFest is still a pretty decent game actually. And I would play WrestleFest with this Scottish kid who was about probably a year older than me who had met the thing, we would tag up and we would take on the computer and stuff and we would go through the thing. We could put our credits in and just do it, just loop. We got so good at it, we could just loop and loop and loop and loop, just because like, you had four fights and you had to take on the Legion of Doom. So we did that, beat Legion of Doom, back to the beginning. Right, now we're the champs, we just have to fight go again, Legion of Doom. Five for four more fights, Legion of Doom. And we could just, we could just sit there, with, like, sipping on our Cokes and play for hours, you know, like just on one credit. And it was brilliant. I was like, man, this is what arcades are all about. And then the machine I didn't pay any attention to was the machine which was about six feet behind where I was playing WrestleFest, which had the really big crowd around. And I looked in and I was like, man, that's just, that game's just not for me. And that game was Street Fighter 2. And there you go. Yeah. There you go. And then it, was, it just is literally, just as it had been released, it was just, just becoming big. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't put a single coin into that game the whole week I was there. Oh, you've made up for it now. I've made up for it now. Right, well, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, our talk about games and steak and arcade <laughs> games. Mostly <laughs> the talk about steak, though. Um, if you've got any questions, do, do pop them on our website, on the forum there, or email us at xbw@futurenet.com, or you can ask us questions on Twitter. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Remember, you can subscribe to the magazine now. All the details are in the issue. Um, and uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye.